This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 24. Today I have moved my brooder box that was in this podcast room into the kitchen, which makes a lot more sense. And so you probably will not hear chickens today, not unless the rooster gets antsy outside. But we are in that roller coaster weather that is indicative of the Deep South but specifically indicative of Alabama. It was 70 degrees the other day, and tonight it's going to be 34. But cold or not, it's time for me to start thinking about what we're going to grow in that high tunnel this year. So just about the time I get all these chickens placed where they need to be, it's going to be straight into that dirt, straight into those tomatoes, and here we go again. And I know y'all can hear it in my voice that that does not sadden me even a little bit. And y'all know it has occurred to me over and over that this is also the time of year where friends and acquaintances do not seem to understand a gardener's life if they don't do it themselves. I tend to go completely out of pocket. I've got to do all kinds of things at this time of year. I can't even go on vacation. Since it's really just myself and my husband, and we're growing so many things at one time, it takes every last minute we have all weekend. And thank God we're about to have some longer days so we can be out there in the evenings as well. I'm hoping I can keep this up long enough to have a grandchild who might, I don't know, help me in the garden. That'd be sweet. Or maybe one of these days, if we can ever make enough money to do it, hire somebody to come out here and help. But that's where I am right now, and that's okay. I'm going to be too busy to do a lot of things. We've talked about priorities before. Other folks can't respect your priorities unless you already know what they are. But I'm about to do a fairly deep turmeric dig. When we started selling turmeric on the site... Uh, We forgot to put what date it was going to be ready. This is about the time I like to go ahead and get up whatever I'm going to get up. Specifically here in this zone, this growing zone. I've always noticed it does really well right now. And I'm working really hard on prioritizing my garden. You know, because I'm a southern woman and of a certain age, I really don't make the rules. As we learned in Steel Magnolias, I have to grow a tomato plant or two. Last year, I grew, I guess, around 30. It was a lot of work. And tomatoes are probably one of the most difficult things, as far as I'm concerned, because we're all different, to grow. There are viruses you have to fight. You have to be Johnny on the spot about pruning them. It's not an easy thing, for me anyway. But there's this lovely African-American friend of mine who happens to be a farmer right down the road. And he sells 
big, huge boxes of these things and he needs a little support. So I think I'm going to just go down to one or two plants this year, focus on helping him out a little bit and focus on the things that I really need to grow, which is corn, beans, and squash. Well, that and herbs. All my medicinal herbs, I mean, that thing is like my pharmacy, so we got to get that going really good. That prioritization's kind of hard, though. I don't know what your jam is, but mine is definitely a seed catalog, and you start looking through all these pretty colors and everything you'd like to grow, and it all seems so possible and fantastic. And then you start and everything is overcrowded, and you were overextended, and you didn't even get what you really needed. Yeah, that's happened to me over and over. Not this year. I'm going to try to be really calm about the whole thing, and maybe only grow one new thing out of every variety. I'm sure that's boring to some of y'all, but I tell y'all what it sure is nice to go shopping out in my yard. Just take a basket out there and say, this is what we're having for dinner. You know, ratatouille is one of my favorite things in the world. And I like a roasted ratatouille with a shit ton of wine. No, 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 let's change that. A fuck ton of wine. And I've always enjoyed eating it wherever I could find it. You don't really see that a lot in the South, though, y'all. And you should. I mean, it's squashes and eggplant and tomatoes, garlic and onions. Good God. So fucking good. And I like to do mine all roasted up, do all those different, you know, big platters of roasted vegetables, and then mix it all together with the best wine I can find. Yes, the best wine I can afford. And then serve that up with some really good French crusty bread and fresh Irish butter and some damn fine cheeses, the kind you don't usually let yourself have. That's one hell of a dinner. Anyhow, I was able to grow all of that. Well, not the cheese (laughs) and not the wine, but we're getting there. All of that and put it on the table. And I'm here to tell you, I think this has got to be the healthiest way to go. That stuff grew right where I live. It didn't pass go. Nobody else had their hands on it. And that was just the most nourishing thing I think I've ever done for myself and my family. So while it might seem a little frivolous that I worked through all this, it's part of my magic. Not to mention all those medicinals. When I started that just a few years ago, I mean, well, I always had them, but I started being very specific about tinctures and decoctions and that kind of thing and now I've got this little capsule maker and I can dry out my herbs very carefully that's a whole art form in and of itself and grind them down so they fit in these capsules so on the go I can take turmeric and black pepper which you have to have together I can have ginger I can have echinacea I mean there's really no limit to what I can have now so I know I'm a purist and kind of a pain in the ass, but can you imagine having a medicinal cabinet like that? Didn't even cost me anything, really, except for those bottles that I reuse and, of course, the vodka. You have to use some kind of alcohol. I tend to go with one that doesn't have a flavor. It has occurred to me, though, to use moonshine. Now, wouldn't that just be the tits? 
So that's where we are. We are building another chicken coop. My beloved husband is building these things out of steel, out of galvanized steel. And uh, we do that so we don't have to worry about predators. You know, everything I say, I think to myself, well, now that could be a witch lesson. (laughs) I don't know about y'all. Do y'all think that way? I do. I'm just going to leave that there. You make a witch lesson out of that. But we had a mix of Cochin and Silkies in both varieties, Bantam, meaning T90. And you already know I ended up with a, you know, crap ton of babies by accident. But now I kind of want to separate those Silkies off and let the frizzled Cochins kind of do their thing. And I'm going to get a smooth Cochin Roo. A friend of mine's going to just give me one. Because you cannot mix frizzle and frizzle like that. You end up with a frazzle and they cannot live. It's just a horror show. Kind of a Frankenstein chicken, bless it. And you don't want to do that. So we're doing that. I made my first egg sale that was inseminated eggs. And I have to tell y'all, I was shocked at how much money I made. All the folks that are buying my eggs aren't going to be getting those French Morans anymore. Not when I can sell them for $20, $25 a flat. Not a flat, a dozen. I mean, y'all, talk about Ostara. That's some rich possibility right there, isn't it? So that's what's going on. Just your sort of um, debriefing on what the hell I'm up to. But I wanted to do just a short read today. Before I do that short read, I wanted to say that y'all are amazeballs, man. Last week I did that little thing on hope. And let me tell you, I put out that episode and I thought, this thing's piss. I mean, I just talk into the microphone. I don't even think about what I'm going to say. And I listen to it when I'm editing it in case a chicken called too loud or some such. And I thought, this is... This is crap. This isn't good enough. I almost scrapped it all together. And then I ended up with 10 emails from y'all just on that one episode. I'm not big time or anything, so I was overwhelmed. Thank you so much for writing in to me. Only one of y'all said that I could read it on the air, and so I'm going to do so. I won't do it unless you promise that it's okay. So let's see. Where is that? Okay, here we go. It says, I just want to say thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. I enjoy your podcast so much. I was born and raised on Sand Mountain and lived in Jackson County for a while. So I completely understand where you are coming from when you speak of that area. I currently live on a beautiful mountain about one hour north of Chattanooga. Sand Mountain will always be my home, but I did not want to raise my children on that mountain I am sure you understand. Oh, hell yeah, honey. I got mine out of there as fast as I could. Didn't want that racism being all embedded in their bones, you know. Anyhow, she says, You asked about what we do when we have no hope. Your story about losing your daughter, Riley, and baking your way through it resonated with me so much. When my beautiful sister was murdered, I remember baking so many dishes to take to the funeral home. I had no idea why I cooked so much. When my mother transitioned in 2018, I made four pies. I always equated that to just being Southern. But I see now that I was trying to find hope, trying to show my kids and family that despite these tragedies, we still had hope. 
My gift is cooking, and when I bake those dishes, I do believe now that I was baking hope. If that makes any sense whatsoever. And she says something real nice about my podcast and about me, but it makes me blush to read it, so we're going to leave that out. And I am so thankful for you sharing this with me, April. This is April Marler. I hope I'm saying that last name right. She told me I could use a real name. And April, I am so tickled you shared this with me. You know, there have been times I've thought about making sure that my podcast, when it is promoted in some way, does not hit Alabama. And I guess my little wolf brawn was right. I need to trust Alabama a little bit more than that. Oh, I get some hate mail. But overall, I find that we're not alone down here, especially any of those who ever lived on a mountain. You know, there were country witches out here in the deep south working with folks and sometimes even being part of the church community. And it was a standard thing. And it's ridiculous to think that we can't be part of our community. So for that, I am just so grateful. You know, usually folks write in and say, wow, that was sort of like what I went through. But this time someone wrote in and I went, oh my God, we were on the same mountain. And uh, apparently also all of her exes are from that area. (laughs) And I just hope none of them are the same. (laughs) We'll find out. So thank you for writing in. And thank you for all the others who wrote in. Just to connect, not to be read on air. It just really does make my day. Y'all keep that up. But you know, on that theme though, of how Christians used to work with the witches in their community down here in the Deep South, or at least, you know, it's sort of a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Two of the folks who wrote in told me that they found my blog, not my blog, sorry, my podcast, which I need to get back to work on my blog. Y'all need to fuss at me. But they found it on a group they were all part of, and they weren't witches themselves. Now, that really intrigued me, and I'm just over the moon that you were open-minded and wrote to me and enjoyed it all together. You see how we can get along, y'all? It really is just a hop, skip, and a jump to be able to stand in the middle. I mean, I don't stand in the middle. Y'all know where I operate from, but that middle ground, there's a lot of possibility for growth there. And I wish both sides would sort of consider throwing a little chicken shit fertilizer down there and maybe plant something. All right, let's talk a little bit about something totally different. Y'all know I did not really go through a midlife crisis. Um, I seem to be going through a later life crisis, but when I was 40, I reckon, I was way too busy to have a crisis. I just finished up a PhD. I was going on to be an assistant professor at an HBCU. And when I was about 42, 43, somewhere in there, I started teaching a tribe. I decided to do that and actually give back. I didn't have time, I don't reckon, for a midlife crisis. I just really didn't. And I didn't go through menopause until much later than a lot of my friends. So I guess I forgot to have one, you know? I've seen a lot of funny memes go around about women who are so busy in their careers they forget to have children. I don't believe they do. I think that they don't want to, and that is fine. Absolutely fine. 
But for me, I think I just forgot to have my crosses. Um, I am having a bit of one, though. I'm about two years into it, and it has to do with getting older. And I think that that kind of conversation can align with croning, but it's not exactly the same as croning. It's sort of a stage of croning, and uh, here I am. I always sort of thought of myself as Peter Pan. I was a tiny little thing, and I was, um, well, rebellious as fuck. Wasn't afraid of very much, except for flying in an airplane. Still am afraid of that. My Aries nature just wouldn't say no to a challenge. And I mean, that's little things and big things. And one of the little things I remember is being short. Before I started to shrink, I was five foot two and a half. Thank you very much. That led me to having to jump up on counters a lot. Because, I mean, who has time to always be finding a stool? And I got really good jumping up on counters. Before you knew it, I was standing there and it would just terrify everybody else. But that's the way I had to reach things. And now I'm afraid to. I'm afraid I'm going to fall, hurt myself. I've lost a lot of that dexterity and probably wasn't a good idea back then either. But that kind of thing, I don't know where you are in your life path. You may be really young, so this conversation may not mean very much to you, but I would love to sugarcoat the whole situation and blow sunshine up your asshole. But the truth is, y'all, this is hard. This is really hard. Seeing my back get the way it's getting, it hurts a lot. And my lower lumbar goes out a lot. And packing on a few extra of those menopause pounds, which kind of keeps me from being able to touch my toes anymore. And that's not a big deal. I'm just talking about how my body is literally, well, shit, it's degrading. And there's no way around it. You can pretty that up all you want to. There's no way around it. It doesn't mean that it's not beautiful ruins. I mean, I can see I'm going to be a pretty audacious ruin. But it still is painful. And anyone who tells you that they handled it with ease and it didn't bother them at all, well, you know, kudos to y'all. Because I'm just not that damn brave. It sucks. I could feel the youth running through my veins. I remember that. I remember just feeling alive with electricity. Able to run. Able to jump without peeing myself. I remember the flash in my eyes. And the way I used to wake up and bounce out of bed. I remember a lot of things. I remember my skin bouncing back just a little bit better. I remember being able to sit up to 4 a.m. drinking way too much wine. And yes, smoking way too many cigarettes. And you know, I'd be okay on about three, four hours of sleep. Y'all, I do that now. I practically need to check into the hospital. And I bet y'all are wondering what the hell that has to do with a craft. And I tell ya... What it has to do with the craft for me is there's been a shift a bit in my magic. Where before some of that magic was coming from young hormones and strong bones and, you know, fresh sexuality. Boy, I was something to behold back in the day. It's starting to shift. I mean, it's not completely shifted, but it's starting to move. Not south. (laughs) North, 
it's starting to have a lot more to do with my soul, my spirit, really. And all these memories and all of these years, I reckon they are right when they say that the scars are badges of honor and the wrinkles are proof of life. But I've noticed something fairly cool lately, and I'm trying to accept it and kind of dig into it. But the more my body degrades, yeah, 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 look at all that proof of life, the less it matters, which I reckon is going to come in real handy one day when I have to leave it. Now, I don't mean I'm not taking care of it. I am. I don't mean that I'm not worried about everything from probiotics to how much vitamin C I'm getting to, you know what I'm saying. It really has to do with where my locus of power is coming from these days. And y'all, it ain't my loins. Does that make any sense? I really hope I'm not being too black and white here. I don't see it really as like polar opposites. I just see that there was one part of me, my body, that was the primary, I don't know, conduit of so much I did when I was younger. And just lately, that part of me that's going to grow out of this flesh, that beautiful thumping red heart thing is where it's now starting to reside more. I think whereas before my mind was having to take care of that body that had to do so many wonderful things, now my body is really just trying to take care of my mind. Well, spirit. You know, that old saying, you've heard it said a million times, some things get better with age, like wine and some cheeses. But the truth is, they're getting better because they're degrading and in some ways transforming and becoming something completely different. I realize I just enlocked myself to a slab of cheese, but that's okay. It's about depth at the end of the day. But for me, that kind of a thing, that kind of an analogy holds true across the board usually. My grandma used to cry when a baby was born and try to find something to celebrate when someone passed away. It was um, deeper of an understanding of what life and death really are. I don't know if you've ever noticed a sunset before from the beginning of it to the very end of it. Oh, I love all the way through. Sunsets, aren't they just the shit? But my favorite part, honestly, is where the sun gets so old in the sky that everything looks like flames. You know, before that, it's right pretty, but at the end, it'll break your heart. And that's how I see aging these days. Doesn't mean I'm not kicking a little bit. Doesn't mean I'm not grieving a little bit. It's not so much about dying. It's just, damn, I would love to do a cartwheel again. I just would love it. But this is where I am, and now I get to do other things, and experience things in a a more resonating way that I don't think I was capable of feeling or experiencing when I was younger. So, what do I actually mean about my magic, if you will, being located a little bit mm, further north these days? Well, I tell you, a long time ago, that thing 
That was a fleshy, bony, bloody, and often fiery kind of magic. No, I don't mean I was evil. I mean that it was just less visceral of an experience. These days, I almost shock myself. It makes me feel like a baby witch, you know? If you don't know what I mean about being a baby witch, a baby witch could be 82. A baby witch is someone who is just accepting and allowing that magic to flow through her because I don't think you can hold it. It has to stay moving. Once you grab it and hold it still, it'll end up being dogma, kind of like a place marker. And that's not what I'm looking for. Not in my magic anyway. These days, it's way less of that and a lot more of someplace higher, my higher self. It's still a very deep water. I mean, it's dark in the way that is comforting, the way dark water can be. It's leagues underneath things like skin and wrinkles and hair. And that's where I'm operating from now. What's funny, sort of uh, almost seems counterintuitive, but y'all, I'm getting a harder reaction in the physical world now (laughs) than when I primarily cast and shot energy and, well, okay, love, passion, um, change, whatever I was shooting out of this fleshy little thing walking around. I'm getting a deeper physical reaction now than I did then. Whereas before I might see something quiver, now I see it shoot right off the shelf. I know. Some of y'all don't believe that's possible. You cannot believe it all day long. It doesn't need you to believe in it. But what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling now comes from a different place a more beginning, more ontologically original place that makes me Seba than it did when it came from my bones. Oh gosh, I don't even know if I'm making any sense. It's very hard to try to explain, but it's the more barbaric yawp of my magic than it was when I was a young girl. Y'all know there are all kinds of us which is out here Some of us get formally trained. Some of us are trained in a family tradition. Some of us uh, self-train and read the books. And some of us are just seriously born with this way about us that we need training for just to learn how to have some discipline. But honestly, the best teacher of this kind of thing, well, not the best. You know, that doesn't work. That word best or worse, doesn't work. The most appropriate teacher for all of the things that I know today took time and heartbreaks and tragedy and loss, but also laughter and good sex and oh shit, back when I was a teenager getting arrested and that took time. No one could have taught me that. My grandma taught me almost everything I needed to know to go and teach myself, if that makes any sense to you at all. Because there are just some things you cannot infuse somebody with, and one of them is time. 
So I want y'all to know right now, whenever I get up and my back hurts or it goes out again, damn, I rode way too many Harleys when I was younger. Maybe I had a little bit too much sex. But whenever that happens now or I look in the mirror and I see my neck is starting to do that turtle thing, oh, y'all, if there's one thing that hurts the most, it's that. But I have to remind myself it's a fucking trade-off, y'all. It's a fucking trade-off. I can't have a young, beautiful neck and a great, strong back and, you know, a flat tummy and do cartwheels in the sand. I can't do all of that and have these deep ocean leagues of understanding of what the trees are trying to say and the value of animals and that there are other things that we can't explain that we need to learn from too, like spirits and I can't have both things. It's like stopping a roller coaster ride right before you fall. And if I did that, I would never know what's on the other side. What happens if I cut that ride short or fight it so hard that I'm not paying attention you know, you're on a roller coaster and cover your eyes, cover your ears, focus really hard, try to get out of your body so that you're not experiencing that deep fall. Well, that's the most fun part, y'all. That's where all the good shit happens. It just comes at the cost of scaring you to death. <laughs> and then, of course, there's that. Now, I'd love to postulate what I think about death all day long, but Now, wouldn't I look like a damn fool if I did that? I haven't experienced it yet. This isn't a ghost talking to you. So, I don't know. I have a lot of hopes. I have a couple of theories, but I have no idea. Now, that's one hell of a roller coaster. So, just for shits and giggles, I'm going to give you a list of things that get better with age. All right, y'all ready? Cheddar cheese. Any arguments there? Whiskey. Really good cotton blue jeans. I'm thinking Levi's right now, y'all. Balsamic vinegar. Fine leather. Anything pickled. Wine. And there's some strange ones, too. Allergies. Yep, seasonal allergies. Get better with age. Storytelling. I think that's got to be almost an automatic, right? Flannel sheets. How about that one? I could keep going, but I'm going to end with cast iron skillets. And y'all, if there's somebody out there not cooking with one of those, oh honey, turn off this podcast and go find you one. You see, when some things age, they get more comfortable, or they get deeper, or they get richer. I know with my favorite blue jeans right before they wore out, That was right where I was the happiest. Yes, but it is a trade-off. I reckon every day I wake up, I have to tell myself that it's a worthy one. I don't want to lie to myself about it. I'm too damn smart to kind of fake myself out. I have to be true about the whole thing. And my grandma used to say it's better than the alternative. So, since I'm having a bit of a very late-life crisis, there's no way I'm living to 106, so this is not midlife. Oh, shit, well, 107. 
I'm going to experience a birthday on April 4th. I have to ask myself every day, will it be worth it to have another story? Will it be worth it to have another memory? Will it be worth it more time for me to work on my soul? Become a deeper, more caring, more empathetic human being? Some days, I'm not so sure. I'm not superhuman, y'all. I'm just a witch. Most days, the answer is, yeah, I want another sunset. I want to learn something else. You know, it's never wasted to learn new things when you get older. I wish I'd packed more of that in when I was young. One last thing, and I know y'all gonna be shocked that I'm gonna give you a chicken analogy. Yeah, you thought you were gonna get away with it today, didn't you? Nope, nope, nope. Let me tell you one of the reasons to keep an old chicken, an old hen girl around who has passed her prime. No, scratch that. Let me tell you lots of reasons. My favorite reason in the entire world is personal. I've gotten to know this chicken a little bit too long. She's become an old girl, an old friend of my soul. I've seen her grow, and now I'm thinking of one in particular right now, who's eight. She's a little unsteady on her feet. She's a lot slower than the others, and I'm very worried this is the last year. But I love her. I named her Frida Kahlo, and if you saw her, you'd know why. But that's a personal reason. Let's come up with some common sense. If you were a chicken person and you wanted to do some broody stuff, let me tell you something. One of the best brooders in the entire world is an older hen. She knows what she's doing. She's a lot kinder, way more patient. And she usually has kind of made her way up in the world in pecking order. So there's one. Number two, uh, they tend to keep the peace a lot better. That's always a good thing. But here's another little fact, other than the fact that they tend to be more broody. They also are more hardy. Yup, if they've made it for five years, that's one hell of a stock you have on your hands. You can trust those a lot better. You know what they're made out of. Another reason to keep them around is, well, when they do lay, they lay huge eggs. I've got an Aracana out there that is about to be eight as well, and she's laid five eggs in the last week. I don't know what's got her going. That's a lot for an old chicken. I wish so much I had a roo with her because she is hearty, sweet, lays the most beautiful blue eggs you've ever seen. But her egg size these days is about one and a half times what it used to be. They're huge. But I reckon more than anything, it's the fact that they seem to have this calm wisdom about them. Somehow that's keeping such a sense of peace for the other girls who are maybe in that retirement coop anywhere from three to six years old. They kind of look to these old girls. And in fact, one of them passed away. This is my last one I have. And her sister, Ericana, passed away last year. I found them all in a circle around her. And they were very distressed. They were mourning. Never seen anything like it. No one pecked her. They were just all screaming as if a fox had gotten in. And no, a fox had not gotten in. In fact, nothing had gotten in. She was old. 
But that kind of distress happens when they're attached. I trusted that old hen. And I have one last one in there that I know is keeping that kind of peace in there. So I wrote a blog post a long time ago. And since I'm not going to ever have notes when I do a podcast, I don't have it in front of me. But I think it was titled Driftwood. And it's over there on my site. I had learned so much about driftwood and what it can give back to the environment. The most important thing I found about it was in nature, when a tree like that falls, what it tends to do, of course, what it has to do is feed everything around it, is make sure there's future life. It's so rich with nutrients, so much more so than a sapling would ever even be. And so there's reasons to let it get that old. There's beauty in that depth of those nutrients. But when it becomes driftwood, it can even do more. It can be a habitat for more life. This is stunning to me. It's such a duh moment, a witch's duh. But it still takes me aback every time I think on it. What a gift to be able to get old and give back. To whatever life is left around you, whether that be in storytelling, whether that just be in pure energy and fertilization of something behind you, what a gift. And it's not for the faint of heart. Nobody wants to be that gift. <laughs> we want to do cartwheels in the sand, but that's not fair. And that doesn't actually allow us to have the whole ride. If we get to get old, not everyone does. If I get to continue this high fall from grace off this uh, roller coaster, I guess I hang on with my eyes open because I want to see the depths it's going to plunge me into because that's where the good shit starts. All right, y'all. Well, that is fully enough. Y'all stay warm. We are sliding towards Estara and things are going to come back to life and you got to be on that roller coaster with it. Love y'all. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.